arms and I'm going to ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Are we there? Okay, good. And uh, Philippians chapter 1, we're going to go to the end of the chapter. I'm going to continue a thought from Sunday school this morning where I began to speak to you on what is the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, we saw explained to us in Philippians 2, the continuation of this thought. It starts in 127 and goes to about 216. And in between those two, in that one section, those two chapters, we see what the mind of Christ is. There are three things, markers, indicators, of when someone has the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ means that I think one and the same with Christ. So if Christ thinks it, I'm thinking it. And that means if I'm thinking it, Christ is thinking it. Wow. A lot of stuff happens up here that doesn't need to happen up here. And if my mind is in sync with Christ, that is to say that I'm thinking one and the same with him, there will be evident markers in my life. I gave you three of them in the first hour of the evident markers of someone who has the mind of Christ. Because here where we are for this morning in chapter 127, we're going to talk about the mind of the Christ, having the mind of Christ in church. But in chapter 2, where I was reading to you earlier, that was the mind of Christ in Jesus. So we kind of started in the middle to say, what does the mind of Christ look like? Three things happen in the mind of Christ that ought to happen in our lives. Number one, they all started with W's. I hope you can remember them because otherwise I'm going to make you repeat Sunday school. And then that's like nobody get fails Sunday school. So first thing, the mind of Christ. Jesus had the mind, that mind, what was in his mind. Number one, I always do the will of the Father. Number two, what's the second thing I do? The work of the Father. Number three, what's the third thing we do? The way of the Father. The will of the Father was for the Son to come. The way of the Father was death. The work of the, the, the sorry, the work of the Father was death. The way of the Father was, you'll be humiliated, but I'll exalt you. And when I have the mind of Christ in my life, well, I want to do God's will. I want to follow God's work and do it. And I want to follow God's way. God's ways are past finding out. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His, his, his ways are higher than our ways. We don't quite always understand what God is doing, but he's at work. And when he is at work, then we know that we ought to be at work. When whatever God wants us to do, that's what we ought to do. Well, this is the, the big picture theory, if you will, of what it means to have the mind of Christ. But let's take that very thought and now go back to where Paul begins to introduce this to us, chapter 1 and verse number 27. Notice what the Word of God has to say this morning. Chapter 1, verse 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to also suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here 
to be in me. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for her commitment to world evangelism. Thank you for Pastor Landers and his wife and their faithfulness to you. Pray to your Father on this day as they are finishing or concluding their vacation, I pray you'll give them, have given them good rest and a safety as they return back to this area for, to, to resume their place of ministry. Thank you for this opportunity you've given to Kim and to me to be here. And I pray, dear Father, that today hearts will be strengthened from your word, that this call to action will be heeded, that we will be people who have the mind of Christ. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you think one and the same with Christ? You say, well, on Sundays I do because I'm in church. But it's kind of the Mondays that kill us, isn't it? To think one and the same. Now imagine if each of you individually said, I will think with the mind of Christ. I will have the mind of Christ. The will of the Father, the work of the Father, the way of the Father, these are all things that will be a part of my life. How does that work in church? What does a church look like if every single person who attends this church has the mind of Christ? There'll be markers, evident indicators that they have the mind of Christ. Now, some of us might not be good at pointing out the mind of Christ, but we're better at pointing out the mind of ourselves. And even better at pointing at others and say, clearly, when he said that, he didn't have the mind of Christ. Have you ever been in a, a church uh, business meeting? Have you ever been when church members are discussing stuff? All of a sudden, you start to hear people say, you know, they really don't have anything positive to say about this place at all. Or they don't have anything positive to say about the deacons or Sunday school teachers. They don't have anything positive to say about the choir or whatever. They go through all these things and you say, why are they acting so honorary, contrary? What makes us act like sinners? The mind of ourselves, not the mind of Christ. When I look at this passage, I see four clear indicators of what does a church look like that not just individually has the mind of Christ, but collectively, or more appropriately, corporately, together, all of us cooperating together. What if all of us had the mind of Christ? Say, I don't know if I've ever seen a church like that. Watch the markers, chapter 1, verse 27. Let me give you some things to think about. Chapter 1, verse 27, second part of the verse. I'll read the first part, but the second part is the indicator. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. This is, I explained in Sunday school, that statement is the idea of that you and I have a life that is consistent with what we say we believe. If I truly believe the gospel of Christ, I'll behave like I do. That's the conversation. Notice what it says, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Watch these words now. That ye stand fast in one spirit. Any of you ever served in America's military? Anybody here? The gentleman in the back corner here. Thank you for your service. In what branch were you, sir? Marine Corps. Marine Corps. Thank you for serving. 
I appreciate that. And for if you were you married at the time? Good. Is your spouse here? Not today. Well, thank her for her um, sacrifice as well to be a military family. I appreciate it deeply. In the business of being a Marine, in that task that you are given, I want you to think of that and these, these words, standing fast. That means if you're given an order, an assignment, a duty, that you take that seriously. So if, if your assignment as a Marine was to defend the communion table, meaning no opposing force is to get to the communion table. No opposition, no one should harm the communion table. And that's your assignment. In true fashion with the Marine, it would be their obligation, even to death, to defend that item. When you read in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 27, he calls on a church that has the mind of Christ to stand fast, to hold your ground in the face of opposition. That when we as a church have the mind of Christ, that we are standing fast in one spirit. That all of us realize this is the church that God has given to us. This ground is hollowed ground in our hearts that we look at it and say, this is God's house. We follow God's rules. We follow God's guidelines. There, we're living in what you're watching take place in our culture is the emergence of a post-Christian society. Don't let that throw you off because it sounds complicated. But ideally, 60 years ago, there would have been no question of what is right and wrong in certain areas of our lives. Why? Because it was a Judeo-Christian ethic is what it's called, but it's the idea of saying we got our right and wrong from the Bible. Now where do we get right and wrong from? Sometimes court. Some, now I'm not saying we, I'm just talking about society. Society determines what's right and wrong by popular opinion. You and I come from a Christian perspective and we look at it and say, no, right and wrong is not subject to opinion. It doesn't change with culture or trends or ideas. What it go, we always go back to the Word of God. That determines what it is. Well, as you and I serving and living in this kind of culture in our society, we're looking and saying, how do we, we don't give up any territory. It's like, how, not how do we make it. We know what's right. We stand on what's right. And we don't give in. We don't capitulate to a society with whims and trends and ideas that one day determines that this is now right and two weeks later now it's wrong we want to open this we want to have an open-minded society but yet we say no we don't we only want that because it stood against the Word of God or the Word of God stood against it now we want the opposite we look at it and say I'm confused what does a church with the mind of Christ do we stand fast together we don't change Say, wow, you got to keep up with the times. If we want, we want the kids to come to church, we're going to have to do something. Think about how long Christianity is last. Think about how long human history has been. How long has there been a monotheistic religion? 
One God, monotheistic. God spoke the world into existence. God has outlasted every fashion, trend, and idea. The worship of one true God as being the creator of the world and worshiping him and for he alone to provide for the atonement of our salvation has outlasted millennia. So whatever the latest bend in society is, we don't get spooked. We just do one thing. We have the mind of Christ around here. What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? Do the will of the Father. Do the work of the Father. Follow the ways of the Father. And what happens then? God's will gets done. And we have unity within the congregation that we stand fast. We are, if you will, like, this is a poor illustration, but we the marine detachment that has been assigned to Br'er Rabbit? No, Foxy Court. That sounds like such an easy post. I'm on Br'er Rabbit. We're holding down the fort over here, you know, or Foxy Court. We're here. But this is where God puts you. We cannot give in. She ought to catch up with the times. God invented time. You get up with God. We don't change from to this post-Christian, post-modern type thinking. That's not who we are as people. We've been given an assignment. Go win the world for Christ. That's our duty. The mind of Christ says, what's God's will in this matter? Well, what is God's will in this matter? God's will is for us to always do what's right. You say, well, popular opinion. God doesn't bend to popular opinion. Opinion has to bend to God's word. We do not adapt to a post-Christian secular society because all of society is changing around us. We stand on the word of God. This is who we are. Stand fast. So if a church has the mind of Christ, they stand fast. Now keep in mind, it's a positive stand. At the same time, it's a negative stand. What do you mean? How can it be positive and negative at the same time? We stand for God. We stand against the devil. We stand for righteousness. We stand against sin. We stand for truth and stand against lies. We stand for God's word. The mind of Christ, when it shows up in a church, you'll see people standing fast. You say, well, why would you emphasize that? Well, one, Paul emphasized it. And two, there will always be quitters on God. I've been saved for a number of years. That means I can't do the math right now in my head. I got saved when I was four, I'm 53, so that'd be 49, thank you, appreciate that. Try to preach and do math, it's hard, it's two different sides, you have to cross over and come back, it's difficult. For the last 49 years, I've known Christ as my Savior. Now, growing up in this American society, watching our churches over the last almost 50 years, I've seen people come and go. But the people with the mind of Christ endure. 
How do you know we have a church with the mind of Christ? We stand fast. We don't give up territory. We don't give up ground. Say to the pastor, well, pastor, but you know, you really ought to get with the times. Nobody's doing that anymore. Make sure what we've been doing has always been biblical, but then just continue doing what is biblical. Society is like a merry-go-round. That pink pony's going to come back around, and you'll see it once again. Just keep serving God and stay in the position that you are in. Number two. How do we know a church with the mind of Christ? One, it stands fast. Number two, verse 27, third part of the verse. Stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want you to see this. The mind of Christ has one mind. Kim and I were on vacation in Florida at one point. We went, we visited a church. And we got to this church, and it was a Wednesday night. And as we attended the service, you could sense tension. And, and I thought, boy, something's going on here. I don't, I don't get. And the uh, pianist was over here. And her husband was a deacon. We learned all this in a matter of minutes from that point. That's how I knew this. And the pastor was in the pulpit. And it was in a uh, Florida beach area, you know, so it was very resort dress standard there and such. And the, that's, you know, that's there where they are. And so anyhow, he's up there and they're over here. And all of a sudden, there was something that was mentioned about someone not seeing someone. And all of a sudden, the church erupted. Accusations from the piano to the pastor, from the pew to the pastor. And I, I distinctly remember this, that, that the lady at the piano said, you're the problem, Chuck. Chuck, it's you. And she was addressing the pastor. My mother and siblings and grandmother were there, and I dismissed them. I said, y'all go to the house. Kim and I are going to stay here because I'm not going to abandon that pastor in the midst of a thing, but I want my family all engaged in this. And I stayed there. Here I am, a visitor. <laughs> but in my heart, there was, I saw there was no unity in the congregation just carping. Is that a word you know? Bickering, fighting. They transitioned into a business meeting somehow, <laughs> discussing church business, and I took the liberty to speak. I'm a guest. I have no business speaking, but I know what's right and wrong. I may not agree with everything that was going on, but I can tell you what's right and wrong. And I spoke up. Well, we stayed, meeting ended, it was ugly. The pastor even called me the next day. He said, you do not know what it meant to have another preacher stay and help at that point. We needed your help. But the one thing I walked away from that meeting was with this idea. You can tell when a church isn't unified. You can feel it. You can, and I know feel and sense are the same, but you can sense it. And then you feel the weight of it. It's kind of like as kids, if your mom and dad ever had a discussion, 
you know, and you come in and they've had this discussion and you are the kid and you walk in and say, whoa, I can feel that. Or supper, you know, they're, they're pretending they're happy. Pots are banging, glasses are, you know, it's like, yes, we're fine. Here's the corn, take it, you know. What happens in a church that loses the mind of Christ? We lose our unity. Our singing is cold. Our worship is dead. Our passion is lost. We, we, we are nothing more than a town hall meeting with everybody having their own agenda. It's sad. I've never attended a business meeting here. I have no idea how it goes, but I can tell you this. When a church loses the mind of Christ and they adopt the different minds that are in the church, then everything is run by personality and allegiances are formed based on who you like best in the church. You know who I like best in this church? Jesus. I like what he likes. You say, but, but what, if, what if you don't like green pews? I don't care. Well, I, I, my family gave to this church and, and I voted against those green pews. I thought we should have... What color is that tie? Blue! We should have blue! And I haven't had blue and I'm voting against everything else in this church till I die. Because we didn't get blue. Oh, aren't you special? The mind of Christ says... I don't care. He said, no, this is important to me. I said we ought to use white paint in the parking lot to measure the lines, and they use yellow, and I've been against it ever since. The mind of Christ says, I don't care. What brings God glory? What brings unity? When there's tension between a mom and a dad in the house, the kids know it, no matter how great you think you are in hiding it. When there's tension in a church, God knows it. When things aren't right, you got to fix them. Why? The mind of Christ says, we got unity here. We stand fast together in one spirit. And then we have unity in thought. You say, I'm an individual, I have my own way. Yes, but all of our ways bow before Christ. The mind of Christ does the will of the Father, the work of the Father, and follows the way of the Father. So when we look at the mind of Christ in a church, we say, God, give us the ability to stand fast in one spirit and help us to have one mind. Maybe you've been in a business meeting like I referred to a moment ago at that church. We've never been back to that place for vacation. It is uh, the 10, 11 years ago at least that that happened. But I remember it. You're the problem, Chuck, it's you. Hello. You know, and then you think about a family having difficulties and you have company and you're going to do that. Doesn't sound to me like the mind of Christ is in that church. 
You say, well, our church would never be like that. Yeah, it could. It could very easily. When someone says, I want the mind of John instead of the mind of Jesus. When I want my own way, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my own way. Uh, in a marriage, you probably learned you can be right and be alone. <laughs> Sometimes it's not worth being right. And you might be right. Yellow stripes in the parking lot might be a great, terrible thing. But does it really matter? If the pews are blue, does it matter? No. The mind of Christ says, what are we going to do to get the will of the Father done here? Pew colors, stripes in the parking lot, whether they sang my favorite song or didn't sing my favorite song or I used to sing that as a special, now she sings it and that was my song. Come on. The mind of Christ says, we stand fast together around here. And the way we do business here, we think the same. One and the same with Christ. He said, not me. Well, in the words of that lady at the piano, you're the problem, Chuck. <laughs> Somebody's got to say it. Uh, we don't have anybody named Chuck, do we? No, okay, good. You know, but it's, it's the thought that says one spirit, one mind. Notice this. Third, uh, the, we finish 27 and transition to, I think, verse 28 to see the next thing. The last part of 27 and the first part of 28 teaches us this. It says, uh, striving together with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So we have one spirit, we have one mind, and what are we doing? We're working together on the gospel. When we have the mind of Christ, the work of God is paramount to us. What is the work of God? To spread the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our duty. This is our assignment. This is what we're supposed to be doing. That we work together on one thing, the gospel. You say, well, that's the pastor's job. That's the missionary's job. You ready for a southern term? That's all y'all's job. What does all y'all mean? It means all of you, all together. And just for grammar's sake, it's the third person plural of y'all. <laughs> Strive together. That means we're all in the same race throwing our chest out, trying to break the tape at the finish line. It is we unite together not based on personalities, not based on factions, not based on popularity, not based on loyalties, based on one thing. We work together because of the gospel. When the gospel changes us, then we say we go out and change our community. We go out and we change the world. We realize that the gospel changed our lives. It changed our eternal address. And now we say what unifies us is the work of the gospel. 
That's what we work on. So when the mind of Christ is in a church, you'll see one spirit, one mind. We'll notice that we are working together for one purpose. We are here to advance the gospel of Christ. What unites all of us is our faith. And since our faith is united, our work is united. Do you remember the statement I made in the first hour? I repeated it once in this hour. What I say, I believe, ought to affect how I behave. Paul said, chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That means I think one and the same with Christ. How do I know our church thinks one and the same with Christ? Well, that I look at the church and say they have one spirit. They stand fast. They have one mind. They're united. They're working on one project, the gospel. Everything we do at this church ought to be directly connected to the gospel. Whether it's a humanitarian effort, it ought to be directly tied to the gospel. If it's supporting a missionary, it ought to be tied directly to the gospel. Every task we do has to be gospel-centric and gospel-driven. If it's not, we're missing out. And number four, a church with the mind of Christ, according to verse 29 and verse 30, this church will also suffer together. You say, well, that's not appealing. No, but the mind of Christ says, look, when we go through a tough time, we go through a tough time together. Notice what he says in 29 and 30. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Our faith brings us into a relationship of sonship, but our faith also brings us into a relationship of suffering. There are tough times ahead. This is why we need the mind of Christ. When we suffer together, we are serving together, we are in one spirit together, we're of one mind together, this unity in the house of God reflects that we have the mind of Christ. So when suffering comes to one believer, we suffer together with them. Don't abandon our brothers and sisters in Christ when tough times come. We stand together. We serve together. We serve the gospel together. And we are willing to suffer with one another. You know, it's interesting. The relationship of suffering or the fellowship of suffering is something that we really don't spend a lot of time preaching because we don't want people to preach it. We don't want to preach the negative. But the truth is, is sometimes we will suffer together. And the fact is that we got to stay together when tough times come. What makes us stand together and serve together and have one spirit together and suffer together, what does that? The mind of Christ. I don't know if you've really given much thought to it to, before today, but in the last two services, and if the Lord hasn't returned by this evening, we'll come back and I, I want to talk on another subject in regard to the, the mind of Christ. But right now, if you received a grade from God on how much the mind of Christ is in you, and it was a percentile grade, would 50% of the mind of Christ be in you? 60%? 
70% to almost two-thirds of the time you think like Christ? 90%? What percentage is God after? 100. Most of us would be willing to say, about half the time I got this. When God's looking for 100, and we're willing to settle for 50, is that really having the mind of Christ? No. I... I have to want the mind of Christ all the time. The only person that keeps me having the mind of Christ is me. I was talking to somebody uh, in the last couple of days, and they were asking me about uh, losing weight and dieting and whatever, and talked about the... Uh, Trying to lose weight while you're traveling, Richard, and you, you, you know the challenges with this. It's, you churches prepare wonderful meals, and, and it's, it's a great thing. But at the same time, then I'll go next week to another church with wonderful meals, and, 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 then, and then another, and then 10 pounds later, it's Thursday. You know, it's just, and he was asking me, what do you have to do? And I said, at the end of the day, you have to determine the only person who controls your elbow is you. Not unless you just drop your face in your plate and then graze, I, you know. And with Richard and Chef Boyardee, I don't know. Listen, I'm still haunted by that picture. But uh, the truth, when it comes to the mind of Christ, I'm my worst enemy. When it comes to the mind of Christ, I'm the best assistant. It's just, what am I going to wake up and do today? The mind of Christ isn't just something for the house. It's got to be here. And if it's anywhere, it especially has to be here. Because, and I don't even know if we have guests today or not. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to distinguish because I'm a guest. But, but with that, when a guest comes here, makes the trip down Br'er Rabbit and turns on Foxy Court, what do they sense when they walk in here? If it's anything less than the mind of Christ, we've missed our objective. Oh, we were successful at what we chose. But let's be successful at having the mind of Christ. So if the Holy Spirit of God tapped on your heart when I asked you, what's the percentile grade God would give you? If it's less than 100, you need to have a conversation with God. God, I desire to have your mind more and less of my mind. Now, some of you, as you age, you'll say, I have less of my mind. You might be in a good starting place. I don't know. But I'm going to just tell you this. Having the mind of Christ changes your home and changes your heart and changes this church. I don't like the church. Well, you're in it. Could be you. Get the mind of Christ. Come back next, next time and see if it changes. The time I'm discontented about things is the time I've had John's mind and not Jesus's. Would you stand with me? 
Dear Father, this morning as we bow before you, we thank you for the privilege to hold your word in our hand, to be able to hear preaching from your word, the challenge and the reminder for us to have your mind at all times. May we have one spirit, one mind, one task. May we be willing to even suffer together as needed. Father, I don't know what percentile grade you assigned to these who attended today. I just know what grade you gave me. May I be content with nothing but 100%. And may these who've come today pursue nothing less than 100%. May the mind of Christ be a reality in our lives. May it be a part of our DNA that we simply pursue one thing, your mind. And may our guests and family members who come sense this place has the mind of Christ. For this I pray in Jesus' name. As our sisters at the piano to play, I'm going to ask you something today. Are you satisfied where you are spiritually? What grade did God give you? Why don't you come this morning and speak with him about that grade and say, God, I want 100%. I want your mind all the time. As the music begins to play, why don't you come?